Hi, and welcome to Friends of Brother Adam. My name is Dennis, and I'll be your host for this evening. I love these zombie things. <laughs> this is so great. Uh, this is a standalone series that I'm going to be doing as far as uh, uh, pot, um, uh, beekeeping after a time when we no longer can go to the stores and purchase all those wonderful things and uh, where a lot of times we don't have very many tools to... Uh, uh, to help us out. So we're going to be uh, um, talking about some of the tools that we need and we're going to be talking about some of the hives. My last episode was if you build it they will come and I did a little bit as far as some really super easy ones to make. Um, we'll be uh, covering a little bit more on the uh, log hive today um, and we're going to be covering a little bit on skeps. Um, however, uh, as a treat today, we're actually going to be uh, having a live broadcast with uh, a, a prepper friend of mine. Um, and he is going to be uh, introducing me on his show. And we're going to be having uh, a live podcast about beekeeping after Z Day. So. I just can't wait. This is going to be fun. Anyways, um, stay tuned. These darn zombies keep getting out of the cage and we're going to have to put them back in. So hold on one here and we'll get this going. Hey everybody, how's it going today? Welcome. Hey Dennis. Hey, how's it going? Good. We're, uh, we're going to be talking about beekeeping. It's uh, another one of those subjects that, uh, you know, preppers, uh, not, you know, most of them know about it, but not everybody does it kind of thing, right? Yeah. And it's, uh, it, there's, there's lots lots to learn. It's not something you can just dive into. you got to have some expert help and advice. And... Uh, we got a few people in the chat. Hey, everybody! Welcome, welcome, uh, Dennis. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everybody, tell everybody all about yourself. Okay. Well, I am a beekeeper of seven years now. Um, I've been doing it for quite a long time, um, as far as beekeepers go. Because a lot of beekeepers, they get started, they buy all their equipment, and they last maybe a season or two and then it just kind of dies off. <laughs> so oh, yeah. as far as uh, beekeeping, I'm, I'm uh, a little bit older in that, in that respect <laughs> because uh, I, um, it's something that I've ended up sticking to. Um, and uh, the reason why I ended up getting in beekeeping is because uh, I own one of these hats here. <laughs> nice little tinfoil yeah. hat <laughs> i think we all have one of those somewhere yeah yeah well i um i was uh back in the the early 90s i was just getting out of uh, the canadian military and uh um after serving uh nine years in the american military i came up to canada served four years in the canadian military and I ended up dealing with a lot of uh, issues, <laughs> things that okay. things that uh, didn't quite sit right with me, and and uh, um, kept me walking the floors 
a lot of times and and when i get stressed out i tend to walk the floors um okay. and yeah. uh um i needed something to um to to alleviate some of the the um ptsd type issues that i was uh, uh suffering so uh, that's why i ended up coming and looking for something like beekeeping um, I originally, because I was in the prepper uh, thought pattern, uh, was thinking about a job that I could do after all the lights went out, after we we're no longer able to buy through Amazon um, and, and get all the fancy, wonderful stuff that we can for whatever project that we want. Um, I went through uh, leather and uh, hide tanning. Um, but I think the neighbors wouldn't have liked that, and I can darn well tell you my my significant other wouldn't have dealt with the smell. <laughs> so yeah, I uh, a few years ago tried the brain tanning thing, and uh, luckily at that time I I had a good setup outside for doing it. But yeah, it definitely but, uh, definitely got to smell everything, and it just doesn't go away. So, <laughs> so I came up yeah. on. Uh, I started looking at candle making, and of course, an offshoot of candle making happens to be uh, the production of wax, which is beekeeping. Oh, there we go. <laughs> that so, little fella right there. That little fella right there. And actually, that's a, a young lady right there. <laughs> um, okay. all, all the bees that do all the work happen to be the young ladies. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. The the male bees and um, and and you know my significant other might uh, suggest that it it extends a little bit farther than just bees. The male bees they are born, they uh, sit back, relax, uh, drink the honey, and uh, whistle at the girls as they fly by, and uh, then they pick out one that they particularly like and they chase after her, and immediately after mating they die. <laughs> Oh yeah, so you know a, a man's life in the bee world is is kind of easy, but uh, yeah. rather terminal. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, so uh, my honey, she makes jokes all the time about how uh, yeah, it's just sitting and sitting and drinking a brew, and that's all <laughs> us males are capable of doing, but not really. We we work hard. Um, so. In getting into beekeeping, I uh, started looking at um, what needed to be done and uh, looking at it from a prepper perspective, from the lights out type per perspective. And yeah. I think it just leads into perfectly what you're doing here on your channel. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your channel and what you're doing? Well, basically, this is my third attempt on YouTube. Um, most of the videos that are up on this channel are from my uh, second uh, go-around called Mr. Cageco the Prepper. And that was, it was just mostly a prepping channel, just outside-the-box thinking or, or specific info kind of stuff. Uh, a lot of reality kind of uh, videos, you know, showing, you know, getting out and actually doing some stuff. Yeah. And uh, YouTube didn't like that either. Uh, they considered me a gun channel. I had a lot of firearm stuff. Uh, so, because at the time I had a gunsmith shop running and, and things like this, so, um, you know, there was a lot of that in there, and they were purging a lot of gun channels and, and things like that a few years ago when they 
I got to be one of the, the lucky ones that uh, they knocked out about half my videos and did a bunch of other stuff. And I just decided it was time that uh, they didn't need me anymore. Took some time off. I had some health issues I had to deal with at the time. So that was that was like the number one reason. But the other was sort of a catalyst to, to getting off YouTube anyways. But yeah, so I started up again. And uh, um, using Rage in the Cage, which was my original channel that was a political channel, which got kicked off YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and um, yeah, I'm just trying to get information out and, and uh, help people along with prepping ideas and then keep up with the other things going on in the world and, um, you know, get on some, you know, other people's live streams or whatever and, uh, yeah, go from there. So good. This is, uh, this is a topic that's always interested me, but I've never been uh, one to, to take this on I, I got so many other things going on in the prepper world with uh you know not just the the gunsmithing and the tactical side but you know the the growing food and food preparation uh communications right um, a lot of my a lot of my military experience kind of stuff as well and and so yeah i just kind of gone from there and this is this is a, a branch of prepping that i think is is something that can bring um, a little bit of, of um, relaxation to what um, we're doing. Um, beekeeping, because you're dealing with livestock, you you are having to do a lot more concentration and a lot more um, dealing with uh, uh, nature, right? And and yeah. you you can't you know bees aren't like your M16 that you just slap and and treat like the the wench that she is and and make it work uh beekeeping you um you you literally have to get yourself into uh kind of an altered state of mentality um a very calm state and it's one of the reasons why uh beekeeping has been uh, uh suggested for sorry there's a kitty cat here <laughs> suggested oh. for um um veterans is because you in order to make it work you are required to put yourself into a a, a, a kind of a relaxation state sorry this here is okay. ollie <laughs> oh there's the uh the attack yeah, uh, yeah I mean, um, i've i've had uh livestock i grew up on a farm but in my prepping world i've had uh i've had uh yeah you know the chickens the goats the the sheep, the rabbits, uh, you know, cattle, pigs, that kind of thing. I yeah. don't have anything right now, but I've had it in the past. But even with that, I don't think it uh, is the same as the beekeeping. I think the beekeeping would be uh, a different thing. But you can speak on that because you've got chickens and rabbits. And yes, trim. yes. Um, chickens and rabbits, you know, you feed them. They, they get happy with you. They don't get happy with you when you take their eggs, but uh, you know they're 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 uh, uh, easier type of animal to take care of. When you get into the insect world and you do something wrong and you end up with a hundred different stings, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it it uh, it makes you realize that there's a certain type of mentality and a certain type of uh, pace that you need to keep with the bees in order to to make them happy. Um, right. we, we in the beekeeping world like to call it bee zen. So um, when you're working with your bees, you are uh, dealing with um, 
the the sting factor, but you're also dealing with you can't um, crush even one of these little creatures um, un unless you want the danger danger uh, pheromone out there. Um, right. Bees, okay. when when they communicate, they don't necessarily communicate with language like we do. The language that they communicate through is through um, their dances, through pheromones, and through uh, vibration. So as you're going into the hive, a lot of the times, uh, I'm just going to grab out one of my little props here. This. Oh, here, hang on, I'll put you full screen. Okay. This here is a frame, and it's got some uh, ready-made cells in there already. And my frame, when, when I'm dealing with a frame, um, I, I have to really move slowly. And when I'm looking at it, I need to move in a certain way. And I can't be um, giving off the pheromones of fear, and I can't be giving off the pheromones of aggression, right? So when I'm dealing with, the, when I'm dealing with these kind of things inside a, inside a hive, you can't bang them, you can't move them uh, fast. And heaven forbid, if you get a sting, you just got to take it <laughs> and, and not drop what you're doing, hey? So, yeah, yeah it's, it's one of those things. Um, and uh, just as a, a quick little getting used to the uh, life cycle of a bee, um, we're going to be talking wow. about eggs. And those are, um, when you're looking at them, they're about the size of uh, four heads of a pin, so they're really small, and they're they're white, and they, um, they're when you look at them, um, you know you don't really see anything, but if you were to bang your uh, frame or bang their comb, the eggs will actually flip over and end up drowning in their in their own food. So oh, <laughs> you have that to was a teaching model then, eh? Yeah. So you have to you have to deal with them very carefully. Um, the other okay. things that you find in in the in the cells, this here is a, there we go. <laughs> yeah. This here is a larva. So they go from their egg to the larva, and the larva has a, um, a gill on one side that it breathes with, and the other side is closed off. And so when you okay. bang when you bang your your comb or your your frame it'll flip over. That's the one that flips over and drowns. Okay, so, so that larva, that teaching model, yeah. uh, in reality, that would be, again, the size of a, a, uh, a head of a pin? This one here is, usually they get up to about the size of a grain of rice. Oh, okay, okay. okay so the head of four pins for our, our egg here, <laughs> if, I can, yeah. if yeah. I can show it right, and then the size of a rice a grain of rice and then okay. it gets a little bit even bigger and um, then you get into the pupa stage and this is inside a cocoon well there we go and uh, it, it starts developing all the parts and pieces that it needs inside a cocoon and then of course when it comes out of the cocoon then you get up to your normal bee that everybody sees on our flowers and everything so that's, that's just a queen. You showed me that earlier. Yeah. That's a queen model, that one. Eh? That's a queen model, and it's kind of funky colored because the person who was painting it, <laughs> I don't think oh, they've ever okay. seen a bee. <laughs> uh, okay. 
okay. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. So, um, but it's it's a it's a fair representation. So I, I just go with okay. it. But our bees are um, they're they're interesting interesting animals because they they I've got uh, a picture of a wasp up right now. Yeah, and and wasps are. Uh, a whole different creature from a bee. Wasps are creatures that eat meat, and of course they do like their sweets a little bit, but they will come inside your hive and they will eat the larvae of the bees and uh, kill off your beehive. So but oh. we, we call them uh, indicator species. So okay. w when you start seeing them go into your hive, you know there's something wrong with your hive because it's, ah. it's weak and they're not killing them off as they go into the hive all right okay. and i have another picture here yeah that's a bumblebee uh bumblebees okay. are again quite different from uh um honeybees uh bumblebees they um like pollen so you will see them walking around the head of a flower that has lots of pollen collecting all the pollen um bumblebees make little teeny pots of honey um, the pots are no bigger than the head of a racer on a pencil, and so they really don't they don't eat too much of the carbohydrates. They like their proteins, which is the pollens, much more. And and uh, but our honeybees, um, the reason why they're important is they like nectar plants, plants that put out nectar, um, which is a sweet sugar-like liquid that uh, they collect. And each bee over its lifetime, I'm trying to think the, the uh, ratio. I think it's over a bee's lifetime, it'll collect up to a uh, tablespoon of honey per bee. So it's not very much. And that's why we have uh, 20 to 50,000 bees in a hive. You know, they're all doing different jobs, but they have a lot of bees that go out and collect the, the nectar and pollen from, from where they are. Um, what what you're okay. showing right there is... Um, what you would see in a log hive or uh, a hive inside of a, a tree that you've sawed off. <laughs> so in nature, this is what they would look for in, in nature. Yes. They would look for a place like this, right? They would. And, and so in nature, they usually like to have um, an, an area that is round about four shoeboxes high and wide. So... Uh, a single shoebox wide and then four high. So okay. that much space is round about what they're looking for. And um, in, in the uh, short um, time that we have, um, going over some of these, these different hives, okay, so right there what you have is called a skep. That one is uh, made of either um, grass or uh, twigs and uh, you you wrap it in a certain way and uh, oh, okay. and uh, got a picture here. yeah you, you have uh, you have your your picture of your skeps up right now so yeah, you there we go so that's building a hive that's kind of small but uh... yeah <laughs> and I don't okay. even know what that one is <laughs> Well, that's one of the pictures you sent me, but that's building yeah. a wicker hive, I guess. Yeah, that's making a, a grass uh, a grass hive, a grass skep hive. And uh, okay. the one that you have up there right now on the top of that 
is several layers high. And the reason why you would do this is because bees need an area that they can have their brood in, their babies, and then, then above that they put their honey. And, uh, and the reason why they have babies on the bottom and then uh, honey up top is the honey is their food. And as they winter, as they overwinter, um, the heat rises. So they're constantly starting to heat the, the honey above them. So as they start going up, they are, as soon as the, the, the bees are hatching on the bottom of their, their nest, they start marching up and up and up the hive. And in, in normal hives, um, when we don't have, um, when we don't have the ability to super or to put stuff on top, in normal hives, they just march up the comb during the winter, and usually at the end of winter, they hit the top of the hive, and, and then they're ready for the spring to come along. And okay. so um, that's how they heat their, heat their food before they eat it. If they were to try and eat it when it's cold, um, they just can't uh, digest it as well. So um, for, a person that, for a person that wants to set up uh, you know, beekeeping for themselves... I think you must have your uh, your YouTube up or something. Eh? You're getting an yeah. echo. Yeah. Um, the uh, something like this would be an economical and and an easy way to uh, to start with. Yes, definitely. As, as opposed to the the traditional boxes that we're used to seeing, which you know a person can buy them and make them, but that requires a lot of power tools. It requires a lot of uh, exact measurements, and uh, in the in the beekeeping world um, right now, you can go to any uh, um, beekeeping um, store and you can buy those boxes and you can buy the frames, and uh, you know they're fairly economical if you put them together yourself. Um, however. Uh, these boxes only have a lifespan of around about five years. After five years, they're bumped around so much and, and weathered so much that they're, they, they don't work past that. And we usually rotate them out of our, um, our, our um, B area, or our apiary, okay. um, yeah. and we make them into catchers. So we catch swarms that, that fly away on us in old kit old uh old equipment and okay. so um the boxes are are great and wonderful however as we're starting to look at this in a prepper mindset we have to start thinking about the time when um we're not necessarily going to have the proper lumber we're not necessarily going to have um the right kind of tools and uh so I've been trying to teach a little bit more on how to make beehives without the power equipment that we have. And you had so, up there the skep, the, the yeah, basket yeah. hive. Um, what people do with that is um, they make rings in, in a circle and as they start building out from um, the, the initial ring, you uh, wrap um, grass or, or bark around 
about every inch or so. And that's how you get the, the cool design on the outside is every inch it has a, a wrap that goes around the, the grass or, or twig uh, bundle. And it goes around and gets bigger and bigger and bigger until you get kind of a cone shape. Okay. And uh, you have to have a hole near the bottom for them to access. But other than that, there's no really big holes. And in order to make it waterproof, um, what they did back in the 1800s is they mixed it with clay and horse pucky. <laughs> fresh, yeah, yeah. Okay. fresh horse manure. Like that. Yep. And uh, I apologize for the small pictures. I, I tried to bring stuff off the Internet, but uh, <laughs> YouTube won't let me play certain photographs unless I sneak around it. So, yeah. So um, you would take your your wicker upside down wicker basket, which is going to be your skep, and you would paste on the outside the horse manure and, and uh, clay mixture. And what that does is it gives it a little bit of uh, weatherproofing. So against the cold and against water and so um, we have several pictures probably there of a weathered hive that has lost a lot of its horse manure and mud and uh, every year or two you would go back and just put another layer of horse manure and mud on there and uh, okay. if you wanted to make it so that it didn't um, wash away you'd put a, a little bit of a roof over top of it and so okay. in well, one of your the pictures, horse manure, I got a question for you on the horse manure. Yeah. Uh, is that because of the porosity and, uh, and the fibers and different things in the horse manure that it's more insulative or does it have anything to do with the, the way it breaks down or it's, it's very insulative and, um, horse manure, when it starts getting wet, uh, develops kind of a, a sheen on the outside of the hive and it helps waterproof it. So that's why they use the, the horse manure. The other thing okay. is, um, you know, it smells really bad. <laughs> it keeps everybody else away. Yeah, well, it keeps a lot of the, the um, animals away that, so that they can't smell the, the yummy uh, honey smell on the inside, right? Or, or okay. smell the, the smell of the brood. So... so that's another Something reason. Something like this here, this little box, I mean, uh, again, that's that little box it would last for a long time. It's the pieces inside that you'd be replacing every year or two years in a prepper's kind of world, right? Right. And that, that particular hive is made for insects other than honeybees. So you're oh. looking at bumblebees, which are necessary. Um, you're looking at uh, wood carver bees um, called carpenter bees. Uh, okay, you're, yeah. you're looking at uh, um, solitary uh, insects. Most, most of your bumblebees are solitary insects. You're looking at butterflies that would put their cocoons in there. Um, so that right there is a great thing to have in addition to what you're doing, um, but not for honeybees. Okay, so any prepper, I mean, if they were to build just like a bat house, this... Having a couple of these on your property for a prepper um, and having all those beneficial insects yes. is, a, is a, a good thing. A good thing. But like you just said and pointed out, this is kind of separate from uh, beekeeping, but it works alongside of it, doesn't it? Yeah. So um, um, when we were talking about bumblebees and that they like pollen-type plants, 
The pollen type plants that we're talking about are things like squash, pumpkins. Um, they don't put out very much nectar at all, but they put out tons and tons of pollen. And you also have the wind pollinated species that uh, bumblebees like, but aren't necessary in order to pollen, such as grasses, corn, that kind of stuff. Um, there and, and a big one, marijuana. <laughs> marijuana is wind pollinated as well. Um, bum okay. Bumblebees like it just because it's wind pollinated. Uh, you won't get your honeybees visiting the, the Mary Jane at all. Okay, so bumblebees, if you were trying to get, uh, let's say, like, like I got stuff going on in, in my indoor garden this year. Yeah. For instance, my, I'm purposely doing the onions and a couple other things, uh, radishes, etc., to go to seed. Yeah. So when you in a garden, which again is part of my it's part of my plan for this year for the greenhouse and for the garden, is I, I will have food production, but I'll also have plants that purposely are I want to go to seed. So that's where bumblebees come into play instead of a honeybee. Is that right? Yes. Um, so bumblebees do very well in uh, enclosed places like greenhouses, and there's actually quite a market for that right now. Um, in, in my particular area in southern Alberta, um, we have a ton of greenhouses. And so they have uh, usually about three to five different uh, um, um, bumblebee nests in, inside the greenhouse. And the reason why the bees work so well inside the greenhouse as far as bumblebees is um, they don't necessarily orientate with the sun. They orientate differently and uh, and they when when they get out and they're wandering around they don't end up bumping against the window until they die which your honeybees will um, they uh, go out find what they want they come back to their hive and and that's what they do throughout the whole entire greenhouse right and uh, okay. they're they love to go through and if you happen to have um, nectar plants um, nectar producing plants in the greenhouse these bumblebees because they're in a enclosed area will actually visit those plants even though they give off mostly nectar so oh, so that's why uh, that's why a lot of uh, lilies and chrysanthemums and uh, other flowers like that are beneficial to the greenhouse it's also for the beneficial insects as well yeah yeah, so you're you're getting you're getting um, bumblebees inside of enclosed areas. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily suggest it inside a house because <laughs> bumblebees <laughs> yeah, are <laughs> they they follow a bit of a different rule. Um, they leave you alone, and you can actually go up and and while they're on a flower, you can actually pet a bumblebee, and she'll look up and go, "Hey, enough of that." <laughs> but you can pet oh. them, and. Uh, and if they run out of juice, if they're if they're acting lethargic and they're just not doing very well, you can even nurse them back to health by putting a little bit of uh, sugar water in your palm and, and putting them on your palm. They'll crawl over, suck the sugar water, and in five minutes they'll feel like flying again. So they're 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 very nice, but <laughs> they have a nasty side to them. You get close uh, yeah. to their hive, uh, unlike honeybees. Bumblebees do not lose their stingers when they sting you. 
So same as a wasp. Right. Even though there's only 25 to 30 bumblebees inside of a bumblebee nest, those 25 to 30 can yeah. multiply because <laughs> they they come out and they sting you 15 or 20 times each. <laughs> so they're okay. nasty little creatures when you get wow. around their hive. Um, when I go and rescue uh, bumblebee hives from under people's decks and things like that, because that's one of the one of the services that I do with my my beekeeping company, um, I make sure that I wear a sweater underneath my uh, beekeeping suit, and I wear long johns <laughs> underneath my pants, and it's it's a hot job to do because usually you're in uh, plus 30 weather crawling under somebody's deck but i'm telling you <laughs> that's insurance worth yeah. putting on <laughs> <laughs> just that just to give that distance between the your, your skin, skin and their and stinger the yeah <laughs> yeah okay okay wow um let's see where do you want to well okay, okay. so uh Hi. So when we're constructing, oh, my puppies are barking here. When we're constructing hives in a lights out type situation, we're, we're having to construct them with very few tools. I'm, I'm sorry for the dogs here. And, hey. even, fewer, and even fewer dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, when, okay, enough, enough. Um, when, we are in a lights out type situation um i would suggest that any prepper have a bunch of tools on hand and those are the tools that you're going to be using for um beekeeping as well so you're going to be looking at a rasp which is it, it cuts off on um it, it helps wear off wood uh, you're looking at a plane which which cuts off wood in in little curls and makes things flat um, you're looking at um, uh, carving knives and an axe and maybe even a wood saw, like the kind of saws that you use for um, uh, cutting up firewood. So those are the kind of things that you're going to be using. And uh, I see that you're cycling through my, my log pictures. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to find, to find the one that, uh, that you told me about. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, when, when you're working with logs, um, that will probably be your first bee house that you're going to be making, okay? Uh, logs are, are beautiful in that they have um, uh, enough insulation around them that after you carve out what's inside, um, you, you leave about an inch to two inches worth of wood on the outside all the way around. And that allows for the bees to be insulated during the winter. And honestly, here in southern Alberta and in northern Alberta as well, um, you're needing that insulation. Um, on our natural hives, that we, or our, our usual hives that we use out here, we usually coat them with tar paper and then with some sort of uh, a wrap, uh, whether that's bubble wrap with the, the shiny uh, yeah, bubble wrap yeah. or whether you're actually putting foam on the outside or whatever we have to work really hard to keep our bees outside during the winter but keep them warm um, so it, when you're making log hives this is making that insulation already in the hive and you're not going to have to do any other preparation on this hive when winter comes okay so 
in the chat, we've got people from uh, right across Canada and uh, pretty much right across the states as well, mostly out east, but um, some in the north, some in the south. And yeah. so I'm guessing that uh, it's advantageous to try, of course, to try to use the trees that are native to your area because that's what the bees are going to be looking for. Right. Now, when you do find, I'm an arborist as well, so a little bit about trees. So when you find certain species of trees, such as black poplar and uh, uh, mobies and, and uh, even some pine in uh, faster growing areas closer to the West Coast where it's warmer and they grow faster, so they're, they're, they have less tensile strength, yeah. uh, and they rot out in the middle. Is that something that's going to make a bee happy if you can find something like that? Oh, yeah. That would be what we we in the business call a bee tree. <laughs> um, okay. And that's actually the oldest way of uh, taking care of bees that exists. Um, we used to be hunter-gatherers, and we would go around, and we would trace where the bees were going and find a bee tree. And um, if you were the kind of person that just wanted it right now and you didn't care about the bees you would raid the whole entire nest you'd pull out the honey the the larva and you'd pull everything out and you'd you'd set it out and and swish off the bees and then you'd process it and people would be eating the bee um, um the bee babies the larva pupa they they just cook that in a fire and oh my gosh good stuff <laughs> lots oh, of protein okay um but if you are caring for the bees and you want them to stay there and you want to be able to siphon off some some honey now and then and maybe a, a thing of larva now and then um you would uh saw it so that there would be a little opening you'd take that opening off and you'd make an opening of your own that you could put back and pull off as you needed to access the hive. Um, ah, so, so this one here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's got uh, a weaved out of uh, um, reeds. It's got a, a ring that's made out of branches, and then they yeah. weave lily leaves, or uh, not lily leaves. Uh, well, it's just some kind of like a, could even be off a cattail or- Yeah, cattail like leaves. Marsh, some that, kind of marsh plant or- Yeah, and they weave that through and they, put a stick in the middle so that they don't uh, uh, get into trouble closing up the hole. And then they put a little bit of uh, mud and horse pucky on there and uh, stick that in there and the bees will come up and they'll enter in through that little hole and you now have a captive hive up in a tree. And I, okay. noticed, I noticed that in some of the, the comments here on the side, um, people were talking about that they have bears in their area and it's just not going to work. Well, <laughs> um, there are a lot of things that a person can do to keep the wildlife away from your hives. And one of those things is having your log hive and you hang it up in a tree with uh, whatever rope or attachment that you can hang it. And... Uh, if you hang it out on the branches, it's in an area where the bear can't get out and it'll end up falling down type of thing if it tries to get out there. So Okay, so just the same as I do uh, some of the hanging plants in the greenhouse, I have them on ropes and pulleys 
And yep. I have them up in the air to get the sunlight and everything and the warmth close to the roof. But then when I water them, I just lower them down. Lower them down, water work them on up, them. Do what I need to do and put them back up again. You can do the same thing with this kind of a setup. Yes, I exactly. I want to ask a question that I just thought of. i got to find the right picture. This one here. Now, um, when you're making one of these things, yeah. could you use, um, for instance... Could you use a cattail stock or, or, or a, a, your corn stalks once you've uh, harvested your corn? Because now you've got a long, straight, strong, very strong. And again, it's, it's, it's a natural thing with different layers. It's going to be very uh, insulative. Yes. Could you loop those kind of things around to make things like this and, yes. and uh, save time on your construction? So what, what people usually do is they find themselves, um, I don't know, uh, two inch long um, piece of plumbing pipe, like three inch plumbing pipe. And that's what you're going to be threading all of your fibers through. If you notice here on this picture here, the guy's sitting down and he has, you can't see it, but to the, to the right of him, he has a pile of fibers that he's using. I think he's using grass. And yeah, it looks like it, yeah. you, you grab a bundle of whatever fibers you have and you weave it onto the end of what you have there. So you kind of just nestle them in, weave them in, and then you scoot your pipe forward and that starts shoving some of that stuff through. And out the backside, that's where you're tying down to the stuff that you already have every, every inch or so. And uh, usually what they do on, on the skeps is they offset it so that... Um, they offset it a half an inch so half an inch um is is where you would start on on your one that you're doing so you go the the ring below you half an inch over and that's where you would attach it and then and then it would be another half an inch and it's attached to lower and go a half an inch more so that you're going half or inch space on the one that you're working on and you just keep feeding it in the in the pipe and, and weaving it in and feeding it in through the pipe, and you just keep yep. going around and around and around until you have a nice huge basket, and it's it's a it's a wonderful way of beekeeping. Um, back in the 1800s, every single farm. So here's some wicker pictures here. I'm going to pull yep. one up. That so something like this with a lid would that be? That like would. That is, that's just a wicker basket, but I'm saying if you were to start building stuff, yeah, and that's got the lid on it so that you can access it. Um, these type of beehives, you're going to be accessing from the bottom. Um, so, uh, if you had a lid like this, what you would be doing is that, that is for supering. You would you would use it for supering, and so supering is you take another basket and set it on top of it, right? So that lid would have holes that would not allow the, the fat backside queen to get through. Okay. And, and, uh, but it would let the regular worker bees crawl through. And what okay, that so does is it keeps the honey up above and the brood down below. Yes, that one oh. right there. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well, that's, that's interesting. And again, you know... You know, I'm thinking like a gardener. Yeah. And uh, again, you know, corn stalks, corn leaves, uh, long and, fibers. And there, there's just so many. There's so many other large, large leaves and, and large stalks you get from from 
different gardening plants that, you know, you could, you instead of throwing them away, a lot of these things aren't real good for compost. Like, let's be honest, like yeah. corn stock, your uh, broccoli stalks, uh, Brussels sprouts, they're, they're not real good for, for compost. They're, they're okay to use in in the uh, the bottom of a of a wooden box underneath all the dirt and they will break down and the roots will get to them and burn them down over time but they're, they're still not that great there's not tons of energy but them being in the form they're in already to build things like this yeah if it if it dries and it stays in the long um uh, state that it's in it's perfect uh if it if when it dries, it becomes super fragile and uh, breaks apart and crumbles, then no, it wouldn't be. Um, right. And uh, okay. that, you know, that inability to compost is actually working for us when we get into into beekeeping. So right. yeah. totally cool. Yeah. And what the bees do on the inside of their hive is they will go and they will fly to a conifer tree and they will get some of the, the sap from a conifer tree and they'll mix it with their saliva <laughs> and with some of the, um, some of the uh, bacteria. It changes the nature of that sap and they make uh, a, a kind of bee glue out of it. It's called propolis. And that okay, bee glue that. is what they coat the inside of their hive with and it makes an envelope that is antibacterial. And uh, propolis, because it's antibacterial, we make tinctures with it. So we mix it with uh, <laughs> some really strong alcohol and uh, mix it up. And then we take that tinnature when we need an antibacterial type application throughout our, our digestive system. Okay, okay so, so um, I mean, in, in many cases um, across North America, we do have... Uh, luckily, we ha do have conifers, evergreens, you know, pine, spruce, etc., and uh, larch. You know, they're 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 around. Yeah. But um, in a uh, in the greenhouse setting with a uh, you know with the with the bumblebees and stuff like that, would uh, would it be beneficial? Them, you know, some cypress or or a small pine or something like that. Not really, no. Not really, no. no. Um, because again, we're talking about a different species, bumblebees, and bumblebees don't necessarily collect that. Um, the uh, bumblebees, bumblebees usually set up their nests in the wild in mouse nests or in bird nests. Um, they like to have that fluffy insulation around them, and uh, here in in our current world sit, set, uh, sitting situation. Um, we have um, our pink fiber insulation. They love that. So yeah, they yeah yeah. They will I, put. I found that out hardly a few years ago at uh, <laughs> at my shop. I had I had some pink insulation in a in a garbage bag extra just sitting there waiting to be used, and I went to go get it, and uh, they said hello. Yes, <laughs> they will. <laughs> so um, when, when bumblebees make their nest, um, they start out with a small glob of wax that the queen brings in. And bumblebees, only the queen lives through the winter. So when it comes fall, she finds one of those boxes that you were talking about with the, with the logs in it or with the uh, tubes in it. And she'll crawl in there 
and she'll wall it off so that she can stay in there the whole entire winter and stay warm. And then in the spring she comes out and it's only her. She's already fertilized so she has the babies inside her and she flies over and um, finds a place that she finds nice and fluffy and, and insulative. She lays out a, a small little um, plug of uh, wax and the way they make wax is is they have a, a little plate on their stomach that uh, it, it acts like fingernails. It grows out like fingernails, but it's it's uh, stuff that they um, bite into wax. And so they take that off their, their undersides, they munch on it, and then they spit it out, and they end up making a small little plug. And then on top of that plug, she starts making um, a little little... Uh, honey jars and little pollen jars and then as soon as she's got enough stuff collected then she starts her babies and she'll lay three or four babies on the first round when they hatch um, they start doing the bringing the pollen and stuff back and she stays in the hive and just starts making babies like crazy but she'll okay. only have round about 25 bees in the hive with her and then she lays all of the queens that are going to live the next year so that's their wow. life cycle that they go through. Um, okay. They they have nothing to do with conifers usually, uh, unless unless the conifers are, are males and putting out their pollen. So, but uh, with honeybees, they definitely love conifers because then they get okay. lots of sap. Okay, so so uh, definitely having having some kind of an evergreen conifer that kind of thing around your. Uh around your garden is going to be beneficial for the honeybees then. Yeah, definitely. And uh, right. for those people who live on the prairie, <laughs> such as myself, um, you know, if you, um, if you are planting uh, trees and, and plants, uh, or trees and, and shrubs, those are actually far better for your bees than if you were to plant flowers. Okay. Um, um, the, the trees and shrubs have more, um, uh, more flowers that they put out, more nectar that they produce. Um, they produce longer periods of nectar, uh, whereas a flower, once it's pollinated, once it's done, it stops producing nectar, closes the flower, and starts into its reproductive cycle. So, Okay, so, but the nice thing about a lot of prairies... Uh... Uh, especially in some of the areas where there there is some willow in that is there are there are types of larch and cypress low bush uh, juniper and that that grows naturally on the prairies so the those bees are going to be looking for that anyways right yeah definitely okay so um, here we have uh, uh, an uh, idea from somebody he says green corn stalks have sugar in it and you can make corn syrup or mash with it. Um, Yep, you can. Um, and you can also do something that we do here on the prairies. If you have ruminants, um, you uh, ruminants like cows, goats, things like that, yep. they yep. really like their um, fermented stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. So what we well, do so is so we... Do a lot of, uh, so do a lot of uh, uh, elk and moose too. They they also do the same thing. Like, so. Yeah. So what we do is we dig a pit and we line it with plastic if we have it and then we put the corn stalks and everything on in there and then we pour molasses on it but in a in a 
crap hit the fan situation, we might even utilize honey on the top of it. And what that does is it makes it sweet so that they like it a little bit more. And it gives the bacteria that is going to be breaking down the corn a little bit of uh, outside food that they can they can utilize to to make their uh, to to uh, procreate and make more of them and uh, so how this helps us in beekeeping is that um, we can utilize uh, some of some of that crop um, to to feed other animals which will give us products that we're going to be using for um, <laughs> making skeps and that kind of stuff, right? So right. you're, you're going oh, to be feeding okay. your, your horses and your cows, if you have them, or your goats. You're going to be feeding them that. You're going to be sharing a little bit of your honey with them, and that just kind of builds into a little bit more of that, that cycle that, uh, that we keep talking about. Okay, okay. Um, in the spring... One of the things that happens here in southern Alberta, up here in Canada, is we find that the bees wake up probably, oh, a month to two months before we actually have our first flowers. So um, what we have to do in a grid down situation, what we do normally in grid up, is we go and we buy some sugar and we, we make some syrup out of the sugar and we plop it on top of the hive in a bucket and let it drip out and the bees come and, and eat that up and it, it's their carbohydrates. And what they do for their proteins in the spring is we put in pol pollen patties in the spring and um, that gives them their protein that they need. So they've got their carbohydrates and their protein. However, in a grid down situation, what you're going to end up doing is you're going to end up making some of that yourself. So a good thing to, to buy lots of is, and, and this helps you out in other areas, is you buy yeast. Yeast has a lot of protein in it. So you're going to be buying a lot of yeast that you can put away, either in your freezer or, or put away in, in their uh, uh, vapor lock packages and uh, vacuum packages. And you're going to be putting those away. Um, we also, when we make pollen patties, we utilize um, powdered milk. So that's one of the other things as a prepper that you would usually yeah. put away. I so got tons of it, yeah. Put away a little bit more because you're going to be mixing pollen patties with it. Um, you're also going to be mixing in that um, if you have sugar, you're going to be mixing some sugar in there. Um, not a lot, but you're going to be mixing some sugar in there. And if you can't, then you substitute honey from the last year that you've been you've been making it. And uh, you, you mix, um, the other thing you do is you have uh, wheat berries that preppers store. And uh, wheat berries, you crush them up, make flour. And uh, you, can, you can feed flour to bees directly. And they will, you, you put it on a plate, they'll fly down and start, start uh, collecting that as a pollen substitute. So you okay, mix, so, you mix your flour into uh, that so mixture. And then you make a, a patty out of it, and that's what you would put on your hive. But if okay. you were, you probably have noticed that in your bee feeders or in your bird feeders, um, sometimes you have corn in there and, and uh, corn powder. And the bees will actually fly in there and pick up those little pieces of corn powder and, and pieces of corn and fly back to their hive with it because they're so desperate for something to eat during the spring. 
Okay, so if you are, let's say, uh, butchering a chicken or uh, something like that, and you you know you got a bo- the bones with a little bit of meat on it or things like that, you can put that near the hives, and and they'll get their protein from that as well. Mm, I ha- I actually haven't tried uh, bone meal as a, a protein supplement. Um, that's interesting. <laughs> well, I've, I've I've seen I've seen bees and wasps on on kills before. Yeah, and 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 on you know again you know on the barbecue uh, or at, you know you you put out the t-bone after you've you've done your your chewing and chomping, and then yeah. I've seen I've seen it before. They'll they'll land right on it and uh, and go to town. So. Most of the time, what they're there for is salt, and that's one of the things that you know as as preppers we do have a lot of salt is yeah. the powder of life literally yeah. if we don't yeah. have salt we're in a lot of trouble um and if you want to keep bees from landing on you and possibly stinging you in the bee yard you put out a block of salt and they will they will fly out take a taste of that and fly back to the hive it's one of the things that they use both in their um curing of their honey but also they use it um as uh, uh, something to hurry up the cooling of the hive. Uh, I can't remember what you call it, adjudicant. <laughs> but yeah, okay. All right. it, it, it helps. Um, inside the hive during the summertime, they need to keep their, their uh, hive cool. And so they will put water droplets on the inside of their hive and they'll mix it with salt and water. And what ends up happening is they uh, have kind of like a swamp cooler effect. So as, as the water becomes uh, gaseous, evaporates, and, and goes up and out of the hive um, in, in the normal process, um, they're cooling their hive. So the bees okay. will go in front of the hive, and they'll flap their wings and push air into the hive. It'll go up and along the walls of the hive, pick up the, the water and turn it into, you know, the vapor. And as that happens, it makes a cooling action and that's how they cool their hives. And then the water vapor goes up and out of the hive. Okay. Um, before we uh, sign off here, I, uh, we got a couple minutes left and I want to uh, give you a chance to plug your, uh, your, um, my my two uh, podcast <laughs> podcast areas that you can find me at you can find yeah. me at Odyssey or Library which is the same thing Odyssey is the uh, user friendly front that they have and then the Library is what the what you use to produce um, your your uh, um, material um, okay but Odyssey is a great place you go to Odyssey and you type in at friends of brother Adam no spaces no capitals and uh, you'll be able to find me. Um, and I use library to uh, archive some of the uh, beekeeping um, material from YouTube because we see that YouTube is just getting rid of anything. Everybody. <laughs> you, I if, can't believe I'm still here. Yeah, if you say something in an email and Google has access to it, it flags you and they'll take stuff off of YouTube because of it. Or if yeah. you say something on Twitter, YouTube will do that as well. And, you know, as, as, a, as a bunch of people, beekeepers are usually, we're, we're usually uh, um, 
a hippie variety. You know, we, we like to take care of the earth and everything. So we don't usually trigger the algorithms that way. But we are also conservative. Um, right. And, and we do trigger it right, left and center with that. So that's why I've gone to, to uh, Odyssey and 